Good evening. Good evening. We are in the middle of discussing Hilchas Bishel on Shabbos. And just to give you a rundown, I hopefully two weeks time we'll have Shem, it's Hashem. Continue, we'll continue Hilchas Bishel. Four weeks time, we'll finish off the Halachas of Bishel. And that, then we'll, we'll have pre Shabbos Hagadl. Which is not Shabbos pre pre Pasha Zocher, which uh, we'll discuss halachas of Pasha Zocher, and uh, if you have time, a little bit of Purim. The share after that will be the Shushan Purim, so that will we won't have share in Shushan Purim, and the one after that will be the pre Pesach share, which is Rishchidish Nisan. And uh, I know it sounds very close, but we're still quite a little bit away from Pesach. But as we go through the two weeks, it gets a little bit closer. So we'll be having the next couple of shurim, and then the one the the, the the one after that will be pre-Pesach. But let's continue the discussion that we've been having up until now. We're talking about Bishel and Shabbos, and in the previous year we talk, we spoke about the effects that a kelirishin has on uncooked food. A kelirishin being a pot that's on a stove or a pot that was on the stove and has been taken off the stove. It was heated up on the stove and be taken off the stove, but the the contents of the pot have not been transferred to another utensil. They are still in the same pot that was originally placed on the stove. That pot has tremendous, tremendous power of heat in it, and therefore a kelirishin is mavashil. A kelirishin can cook. So we discussed the practical ramifications of a kelirishin being able to cook, that one cannot add Tavlinin spices which are not cooked because there are many spices that we have in our cupboards that are, have not been pre-cooked. We cannot add them into our pot on Shabbos. If I take my pot of soup off the stove and I taste it before I serve it and I realize that it needs a little bit of extra salt. Well, salt is nowadays has been cooked, but you want to put some pepper in it. Very probable the pepper hasn't been cooked. And adding the pepper it means that you're going to be cooking on Shabbos and that's forbidden. And that's forbidden. We're going to move on now to the next level of Bishul. The next level of, of utensil that has heat that's able to cook. And that's what we call iru kelirishin. Pouring from your kelirishin. So I have a kettle, which is on the stove with an urn, which is on the stove with water in it, boiling hot water. And I'm going to pour or open the tap or pour from the kettle onto a item of food that has not yet been cooked. Can I, does that constitute bishul on Shabbos or does it not? That's a huge discussion in the Rishonim. There's two opinions in Tosfos, and the third opinion, Rashbam, and we'll go through all three, and then we'll, we'll explain how we pass in the halacha. The first opinion in Tosfos is that pouring hot liquid or hot food from a kelirishin, that means pouring out, for the example we gave, the hot water from a urn, which is still on the stove, is called iru kelirishin, pouring from a kelirishin, pouring from a kelirishin, iru kelirishin, cooks equally to the liquid or the food inside the kelirishin, exactly the same way. It cooks to the same degree in the same manner as the kelirishin itself. So pouring hot water from a kelirishin onto uncooked food will cook that food. Second opinion says it will cook, but only what we call a kadeh clipper, only the outside thin veneer of the of the food will be cooked. But once we get beyond that, it doesn't have the power to cook through the whole item of, of, of uncooked food. It'll only cook the out the outer layer. 
And then we have a third opinion who says an irrigation doesn't cook at all. It has the same the same status as a kedishani. We haven't yet discussed the status of a kedishani, but it's a much lesser heat and not able to cook in the same manner as a kedishan can, if it can cook at all. So we have three opinions on an irrikalirishan, a pouring of a kedishan. One is it cooks completely the same in the same way as a kedishan can cook. One, it can only cook the outside veneer, but the inside of the food will not be cooked. And we'll see the differences between that and the first practical differences in a moment. And the third one is that it doesn't cook in the manner of a kedishan at all. It can only cook in the same parameters as a kedishani is able to cook. La halacha. So we have three opinions in the Rishanim. How do we pass in halacha? La halacha, the Mishnah Bura tells us that we follow some sort of compromise. We follow the middle, the middle opinion. We don't say that irrigation can cook completely, but it can cook like a, the outside veneer of the food, but cannot cook the complete food. But yet we're not as lenient as the third opinion, which says it cannot cook at all like a kedirishan. So we follow the middle the middle view, that it's able to cook like a clipper, a clipper, just the outside veneer of the food. Practically speaking, therefore, if I have uncooked food in my plate, so for example, I have croutons in my soup, in my soup bowl, and I'm going to pour my soup from the kedirishan onto my soup bowl, so I'm now pouring pot soup onto my baked croutons, and we are of the opinion, as we discussed in the previous year, that yesh, bishul, achar, afir, baked product can be cooked if you put it into a pot of water or if you pour, according to this opinion, hot water over it. So pouring hot soup will therefore constitute cooking if you have your croutons in there. And the same would apply if you had lakshan, which has not been cooked in your soup, and you poured soup onto your lakshan or making a pot noodle and you poured it from the urn into your pot noodle, this we have to de- decide whether pot noodle has been cooked or not. But anything like that could constitute a melacha de raisa, a biblical transgression of bishul on Shabbos, chas v'shalom. Even though it's only cooking a kadeh clipper, but when it comes to hilchus bishul, we don't differentiate whether I've cooked the whole item of food or if I've just, just cooked the outside veneer of the food. At the end of the day, I've cooked and cooking would constitute a melacha de rice or bishul. Where this may be relevant is if you make yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and you have a cup which had already has water in it. And that water, even a small amount of water, if that water has never been cooked, when you fill that cup with water from your urn, you are now pouring from your kelirishan over your cold water, and cooking that water, and that would be a malacha of Bishul on Shabbos. If, however, the water that was in the cup is only a very small amount, and it had already been cooked once before, for example, we often make, and we'll discuss, we will discuss probably not today, when next week or the week after, or the year and in two weeks' time, or the year after, how to make coffee and all the different complications of making coffee and tea. Be'ezus Hashem, we will go through that. We have done it once before, but we'll discuss it again in detail. Be'ezus Hashem. But if you are making a coffee using it, what we call a keli shlishi, so then you take the a cup and you fill it with water and you pour from that water onto your into a third cup, into a, a well, I should say a second cup, into a keli shlishi. Now, if that cup that you're using as the go-between between the water in the urn and the cup where you're going to have your coffee already has had water from the urn in it, and you've poured it out, and now you want to refill it, that water in the bottom of the cup is cold. The little drops of water at the bottom of the cup are cold. But since they've already been cooked once, 
even though we we are stringent and we take on that yesh bishel acha bishel lach, but when there's only a tiny amount and you're not interested in the cooking of that that water, you just really want the cup to be a means that you can transfer water from the urn to the cup that you're going to have your coffee in, that we can ignore, that we can be a bit more lenient. Where do we find the difference between whether irrocalorition, pouring from a calorition, cooks through the whole item, or do we say it doesn't cook through the whole item, it only cooks the outside veneer of the, of, of the food, would make a difference, for example, if you're trying to heat up baby food in a bottle, and the baby food hasn't been cooked. So let's assume you have something cold in there that hasn't been cooked, and you want to heat it up. So what you do is you take the bottle and you hold it underneath the urn and you pour hot water over it. A fantastic way of wasting water from your urn, but also will cook, will heat up the food. Now here it would make a difference. If irrocalorition can cook through, then it'll penetrate through the bottle into the food and heat up the food, and the food will, will then be cooked on Shabbos. If, however, a irrocalorition is only going to cook the outside veneer, then true, it'll cook the plastic bottle, but the plastic bottle doesn't have Hilchus Bishel attached to it because it's not food. And the food inside is already more than a veneer thickness away from the hot water. And therefore, you have not transgressed any Malach or Bishel. And there you have a very practical difference between a the first opinion that tells us that irrocalorition can cook completely to the second opinion that irrocalorition can only cook the veneer the external veneer, nothing more, heating up something inside the keli. I just use the baby's, the baby's bottle as an example, but it could be anything. You could be running hot water over milk to warm it, cold milk. Oh, today, milk is, is cooked, but it could be anything. You have cold water, and you just want it to become a bit warmer, so you run cold water, hot water over the bottle, over the cup. As long as it doesn't run into the cup, and it runs down the cup and out, or down the bottle and out, then and, and, and onto, onto the side or into the sink, then you have no problem with Bishel, because since we take on that irrocalorition can only cook a veneer, that veneer is being covered by the, being taken up by the thickness of the vessel, the cup, the bottle. The food, therefore, is now considered the inside, the inner part of the food, cannot be cooked by the irrocalorition, and therefore you have not transgressed any more. So we've discussed so far, calorition itself being the most potent, the most heat-concentrated, Vessel that can cook, cooks completely, put anything in it, it'll cook. We've discussed irrocalorition. Let's talk about kedishenia now. Kedishenia is, I take food or a liquid, and we're going to talk about liquid because we'll come back to food a bit later. Let's, let's just focus on liquid. I take liquid out of a pot and I pour it into a second vessel. Now, this second vessel is cold in comparison to the pot that was been on the stove. Therefore, when I pour from my first keli into my second keli, into my second utensil, that utensil, the walls of that utensil are not as hot as the walls of the pot that, that's been on the stove, because the second utensil has not been on the stove. And that's going to dramatically cool down the liquid that's inside your keli sheni. So I pour from my pot into my plate, my plate now becomes a keli sheni. I pour from the urn into a cup. My cup is now a keli sheni. What's the status of a keli sheni? We know that it's dramatically less hot and less potent and able to cook as the kedirishen is, but it's dramatically less able to. But there must be some context of heat here because it's still hot and it's still yatsaledas. You put your finger in, it's going to get 
pretty burnt. So what level of cooking can a Kaili Shani achieve and which, which level can he not achieve? That's the discussion we're going to have now. Kaili Shani does not really have the ability to cook. Kaili Shani, again, does not have the ability to cook. So technically speaking, once we've transferred food from a Kaili Rishan to a Kaili Shani, everything should be permitted. We should be able to put whatever we like inside. I should be able to put croutons. I can put spices. Whatever I want, I should be able to put in there. However, we have a little bit of a problem. And, and the Gemara does say that you can put spices into your Kaili Shani. However, there is a halach in the Gemara that there are certain foods that are called Kalei Habishal. Certain foods are far easier to become cooked than other foods. Some foods need a real heat of a Kaili to cook. But there are other foods that do not need that intense heat for the food to be cooked. Even a lesser heat, even the heat of a Kaili Shani is able to actually cook those foods. And therefore, Kalei Habishal cannot be put into a Kaili Shani. And here's, this is where we hit a little problem, because the Uraim tells us, Sefer Uraim is one of the Rishonim, Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam, he tells us that we don't actually today know what is considered a Kali Abishal, what's not considered Kali Abishal. We're not clued in to the different types of food, or maybe the foods that we have nowadays. We're not discussing Chazal in the same manner as the foods that were discussed in the time of Chazal. And therefore we don't really know which foods are considered Kali Abishal and which foods are not considered Kali Abishal. And therefore the Uraim tells us, that nowadays we should be careful not to put any foods that are not cooked even into a Kaili Shani, unless it's food that's been explicitly mentioned in Gemara or mentioned in Halacha that one can put into a Kaili Shani. So, because of this uraim, that really makes life a little bit more complex for us. Without the uraim, we would have said any Kaili Shani doesn't have the heat capacity to cook like a Kaili Rishan. Let's put what we like in it. Yerim has put a spanner in the works and told us I cannot put anything I want into a Kaili Shani. It's got to be something which is definitely not a Kali Abishal. And since we do not really have clarity in what constitutes Kali Abishal and what does not, therefore most foods cannot be put into a Kaili Shani. In fact, the Mechaba tells us one opinion, that one shouldn't put bread into a Kaili Shani because maybe bread, since it's been baked, is considered Kali Abishal and by putting it into a Kaili Shani, that's going to end up cooking it, because Kaili Shani has the ability to cook, Kali Abishal, which therefore means I cannot put my croutons, if they've not been deep fried, my baked croutons into my plate, into my soup bowl, into my soup bowl because my soup bowl will be considered a Kaili Shani. We will discuss the halachas of a ladle a little bit later, but the soup bowl may be considered a Kaili Shani, and I'm now putting something which may be Kali Abishal into Kaili Shani. No one wants to enter into a suffolk of Chilul Shabbos, even if it's just a slightly more obscure opinion. But it's an opinion which is mentioned in Shulchan Aruch. No one wants to transgress Shabbos in any way whatsoever. And therefore we refrain from putting any food into a Kedi Sheni unless it's foods which are mentioned explicitly in the Gemara or in the, in the, in, in, in the Shulchan Aruch. And the, the, the foods that are mentioned black and white clearly in the Gemara is Water, ma'ib, water is not considered a kaliabishal. Shemen, oil is not considered kaliabishal. And tavlin, spices are not considered kaliabishal. 
And therefore, no problem when your soup is in your soup plate. You've removed it. You've taken it out of the Kali Rishon. You put it into your soup plate. You can add in your pepper. You can add in your salt. You can add in whatever you like. Salt, though, as we discussed, is cooked. Though in, in, in the context of salt being a dissolving, we discussed that even though it's cooked, one best to avoid putting it into the Kali Rishon. But here, when it comes to Kali Shani, no problem at all. Milk, for example, is, is a, question whether milk is considered kalebishal or not considered kalebishal. Most of our milks that we have nowadays are pasteurized, so they're already considered cooked. And once it's cooked, it already makes it a bit easier. Since kalebishal is only a chumra, though it's a chumra that we accept and we're careful about, but it's only a chumra, there are certain leniencies that we can allow ourselves when it comes to cooking in a kalebishal. So, for example, even though we said a, a mashke, a liquid, which has been cooked, is yesh bishalach abishal bedova lach a liquid which is cooled down after it's been cooked cannot be reheated again because that would be considered cooking. But in a kedisheni, we will allow a liquid that's already been cooked because since kedisheni is a chumra and yes, bishalach abishal, but davalach is a machlekes, and therefore we can allow ourselves that leniency of putting something which has been cooked, even though it's a liquid, into a kedisheni. Therefore, we have no problem putting milk into a kedisheni, into our coffee in a kedisheni, even though normally milk may be considered kali abishal. But here, because it's been pasteurized at, to a very a, a large, to high degree of, of heat, therefore we consider it cooked, and therefore ain bishalach abishal lach when it comes to a kedisheni. Even though normally we say yes bishalach abishal, but with regards to a kedisheni, we are more lenient and we follow the opinion of ain bishalach abishal. And so to salt and sugar, even though as we mentioned in the previous year, ideally one shouldn't put in a kedisheni, despite the fact that they've been cooked, because when they dissolve, they may take on the status of a liquid because it's dissolved. But in a kedisheni, we don't mind because anything that's cooked, even though it's yesh mishalach and mishal, medavalach, when it comes to a kedisheni, we're more lenient. When it comes to a kedisheni, we're much more lenient. Iru kedisheni, pouring from a kedisheni, doesn't have the status of a kedisheni at all. It has the status of a kedisheni. So that's given us a bit of clarity here. Kaylee Shaney, sorry, Kaylee Rishon cooks completely. Kaylee, Iru Kaylee Rishon, pouring from a Kaylee Rishon, cooks only Kede Clipper. In accordance with the halacha, we assume it cooks only a Kede Clipper, only the outside veneer. Kaylee Shaney can only cook Kale Habishal. Things which are not Kale Habishal, water, oil, tavlinin, etc., anything which has been cooked before, even if it's a liquid, cannot be cooked in the Kaylee Shaney. Iru Kaylee Shaney, Pouring a kedisheni into a kedishlishi, even if in the kedishlishi the foods that have not been cooked, we assume that iru kedisheni is like a kedishlishi. A kedishlishi we take on does not cook even kaleha bishul. Kedishlishi cannot cook. There are one or two items that kedishlishi itself has the ability to cook, which we will discuss in a moment. But as a general rule, kedishlishi cannot cook. So kedishlishi cooks completely. Iru kedishlishi only a kedai clipper, only a veneer. Kedishani can cook Kale Abishal and no more. And a Kedishlishi, Iru Kedishani and a Kedishlishi cannot cook except for those small amount of items that are really, really, really easy to cook. Worse, less, even a lesser stage than Kale Abishal. They are so soft and, and already half processed that the cooking will just, doesn't need very much heat. And therefore Kedishlishi is able to cook. And in those cases, Kedishlishi will cook. But more than that, 
we assume Kedish Lishi is not able to do. We mentioned a few moments ago that spices is very clear in the Gemara that spices can be put into Kedish Eni because spices is not called Kali Abishal. However, and this is a big however, and this is something very important, and we mustn't forget this, there is a big machlekes in the Poskim where our spices and the spices that the Gemara is discussing is actually the same consistency of spice that we can apply the rule of the Gemara to our spices because our spices are being ground to a powder. The time of the Gemara, the spices weren't ground to a, to a powder. They were more more like a, a more of a solid form. They weren't crushed in the same manner as ours is. Therefore, the, some of the Paschim would like to suggest that our spices, since they're not cooked, we're talking about the spices that have not been cooked, because it's in a powder form, takes on the status of Kali Abishal and cannot be put even into a Kedishani. Which would therefore mean that practically speaking, it's difficult to be makel. Again, we try not to be makel on Hilsa Shabbos unless we really, really have to. It would be difficult to be makel on spices, even in our plate of soup, because spices nowadays are so soft and so much more easy to be cooked because they've been crushed. Whereas in the time of the Gemara, they were more like solid, solid spices. Pieces of ginger uh, were put into, not crushed ginger, just pieces of ginger, which is much harder to cook than a crushed uh, pepper. Pieces of pepper put in rather than crushed pepper. And therefore, we know nowadays try to be machmi and do not put even tavlinin, even spices, into a kedishani. Except, of course, for salt and sugar, which has already been cooked, as we mentioned before. So let's discuss now Kedish Lishi, and then we'll move on to talk about a ladle. What status a ladle has, and does a ladle enable us to be consider our soup Kedish Lishi rather than a Kedish Eni? A Kedish Lishi, as we mentioned, doesn't have the ability to cook because it's already two stages away from the fire. The Kedirishin is on the fire. Once you take it off the, fire, the flame, it's a Kedirishin Shaloy al that's one stage away. The Kedishin is two stages away. Kedishlish is now really three stages away. Two utensils away from the, the utensil that was on the flyer, fire. And therefore doesn't have the ability to cook in the same manner that Kedishin does. However, the Mechaba, the Shuchnar tells us in Shin Yudches, that Dag Meliach, salted fish, the kulayas, so herring. Now herring, anybody who's eaten herring knows that herring has not been cooked. Herring is just salted. It's being pickled. Pickled fish. Salted fish. The kulayas aspanion, which is some sort of uh, other fish. I'm not sure what it is. The, the, if you wash it with hot water, even from a kedishlishi, that's considered cooking. Because since it's been pickled, since it's been salted, it's already partially cooked. It doesn't take much heat to complete the cooking process. And therefore, even a Kedish Shlishi has the ability to cook something which is as soft and as partially cooked as a Dag Meliach. And therefore, the Be'alacha tells us that anything which is Yad Seledes Behen, anything that has a heat of Yad Seledes, which is from 43 degrees up to 83, 85 degrees, something like that is Yad Seledes, Lechumer, has the ability to cook the Dag Meliach. And therefore, there are certain things that even a Kali Shlishi is able to cook. Most of us do not take pickled herring and dip it into a Kali Shlishi or pour hot water from a Kali Shlishi over it. If you're able to stomach your pickled herring, you're going to eat it together with your Eikichel or with your Chala. 
But there are one or two other scenarios where Kedish Lishi is relevant. And this is something that's discussed in the more more recent Poskim. The Orach HaShulchan, for example, tells us that tea leaves, in his mind, clearly get, clearly can reach a state of cooking even in a Kedish Lishi. I think what the Orach HaShulchan is trying to suggest, he says, Our eyes can see that can even cook in a Kedish Lishi. If you take a tea bag, and you put it inside a keli shlishi, it will, you will have lovely brewed tea there, or fantastic tea. And therefore the Orch seems to understand from that, that that's considered cooking. And you may ask, but a keli shlishi cannot cook, so how can a tea, tea leaves be considered cooked in a keli shlishi? Which the Orch is telling us, that there are certain foods, like Dag Meliach, which are so easily cooked, that even in a keli shlishi they're able to be cooked. The Shlem Zaman Ayabach adds that there's another food which in his mind is able to be cooked in a Kedish Shlishi, and that's a egg. You could make a poached egg in a Kedish Shlishi. It might take you a bit of time, but if the heat of the Kedish Shlishi is able to cook an egg, and therefore an egg would be considered a Kedish Shlishi. So practically speaking, if your soup is a keli shlishi, and we'll talk about a simple case of your soup being in a keli shlishi, for example, if you poured your soup in a tureen, from the pot into tureen, you brought the tureen to the table, and from the tureen you poured it into the plates, so your plate is now a keli shlishi, you can put whatever you like in that keli shlishi. You can put tavlin in, you can put, because we assume that kali abishal is only a keli shani. A keli shlishi cannot cook kali abishal, though there is an opinion that says it can, but we can be makal, we can be makel on Kedish Lishi. But there are certain, so you can put your croutons in because it's Kedish Lishi. Only in a Kedish Shani, the, the Shochnach says you shouldn't put your croutons. You shouldn't put bread. You can dip your bread in. On, on Shabbos Chalamoid, you can soak your matzah in your soup if that's something that appeals to you. And you do Gebrach on Pesach. Fine. No problem at all. But there are some things that cannot be put even into a Kedish Lishi. Making tea according to the Orach HaShulchan, cannot be made in a Kedish Lishi. And therefore, and if we say it can cook in a Kedish Lishi, it'll cook in a Kedish Ravi, in a Kedish Chamishi, in a Kedish Lishi, as long as it's Yad Saledis boy. And if you get to a stage where it's not Yad Saledis boy, you jolly well don't want to drink that tea. That's going to be what we call <laughs> cold tea. So that's not going to help us from making tea on Shabbos. And therefore, we try to refrain from making tea with using tea bags on Shabbos, though there are one or two opinions that disagrees with Orach HaShulchan. But again, when it comes to Shabbos, we try our best not to rely on coolers and to take the strict approach because we do not want in any way to transgress Shabbos, Chas V'Shalom. And therefore, making tea bags, making tea with a, with a tea bag on Shabbos, even in a Kedish Lishi, is questionable. And according to Orch HaShulchan, completely also. And therefore, ideally, one should either use tea essence, but tea essence is, has to be made before Shabbos, you have to make tea essence by soaking a few tea bags in a small amount of liquid so you get very concentrated tea. Do take the tea bags out of the cup or out of the jar that you've, out of the teapot before you, before Shabbos, because otherwise it'll just get soaked back up. The liquid which you've made the tea will just eventually get soaked into the tea bag. You'll have no tea essence left. If you like your tea essence warm, you can leave it in, in your jar on top of the urn. It'll stay warm. It's cooked. You put it down Friday. You can use a bit of it, then put it back. No problem at all. It's cooked, and it's warm, it's hot, 
and then you'll, it won't cool your tea down at all, because one of the complaints we get when it comes to tea essence is that the tea essence are cold, and when you pour the hot water on it, it cools it down, and us Englishmen and uh, English ladies too like their tea boiling hot. We don't like our tea to be lukewarm, and therefore you leave it on top of the urn or something like that, you'll have nice warm or even hot tea essence, and you'll be able to have a, a lovely tea on Shabbos. Or the other option is to buy to buy instant tea. Now, instant tea in this country is very hard to come by. You can buy it online for about £200 a jar because they've stopped, they've stopped making it. It doesn't exist. However, you can buy in Etisrol a new uh, uh, instant tea, which has been manufactured in Etisrol. Uh, we're try, trying to bring some into this country just for personal use, but if anybody has relations there, you can buy them. Uh, Mr. Hummel went and bought some back just now from the Macolet in Gula. Which, if you go down Gola, there's a Makolet, a, a supermarket down the steps. I think it's near Chaba Yeshiva, one of the, one of those roads going off Malfei Yisrael. And in there, you can buy it's a very small jar of tea, granulated tea. I've never tasted it yet. I cannot tell you if it's decent or not. But at least you don't. If you've forgotten to make your tea essence on Friday, you'll be able to have nice tea on Shabbos. The reason why instant tea is Better, tea, tea granules are better because tea granules have been cooked already. And once it's been cooked, we allow, even in a Kedishani, we would allow. We will discuss whether you should use a Kedishani or not when we discuss tea in the coming year, not this week. But now I'd like to just move and discuss a ladle because I think it's a fascinating discussion and very relevant to all of us. We've been through in the last year and today's year a Kedishan, Irukedishan, a Kedishani, Irukedishani, and a Kedishlishi. And we've seen clearly the differences. A Kedishani to a Kedishlishi, or a Kedishani to a Kedishishin is fundamentally different. A Kedishlishi to a Kedishani is different. If we can have our soup in our plates to be considered a Kedishlishi, it makes life a lot easier. I can dip my challah in it. I can put croutons in it. I don't need to be worried about bishul on afia. <coughs> so one of the suggestions has been in the past that if you take your soup with a ladle, which is what we have to do because... Most of us will take a ladle and put it inside the soup to be able to serve and pour it into our into our plates. Does the ladle constitute a keli sheni and therefore my plate a keli shlishi, which would allow me to put croutons in, allow me to put my challah in, etc.? Or does my ladle is my ladle not considered enough of a vessel to be called a keli sheni? Mishnah tells us a very interesting thing. He says if the ladle is left in the Soup. If the ladle's left in the soup for a, in the Kedirishan for a extended period of time, then this, the ladle gets the heat of the Kedirishan and for sure it hasn't got a dinner of a Kedirishan, it's called the Kedirishan. And then the, the plate is called the Kedirishan. So if you put your, your ladle in, you ladle out some soup and you put it back in there, you go and serve the soup, you come back. That ladle has now been in the Kedirishan for a, an extended period of time. It may therefore have Retain the heat of the Kedirishan, and once it's retained the heat of the Kedirishan, it's considered a Kali that can cook. It's called a Kedirishan. And therefore, we don't call the, pl- the plate a Kedishani, we call the plate a Kedirishan. Uh, Kedishli- we, sorry, we don't call the ke- plate a Kedishlishi, we call it a, a Kedishani. And as we said, a Kedishani has stricter rules with regards to Bishel than a Kedishlishi does. If, however, you did not leave your ladle inside the Kedirishan, but you, you put it in, you spooned, you fill the plate, then you put it back in, you fill the next plate, you put it back in, you fill the next plate, so you're in and out, and you're in and out, and you're in and out regularly. 
Does that therefore constitute a Kedirishan or is it not a Kedirishan? And that's a huge machlekes in the poskim. Therefore, since it's not clear the status of a ladle, therefore, things which are not cooked, for example, spices or kalihabishal, anything like that, we assume that the ladle is called a kalirishan. And therefore, one shouldn't put spices in, shouldn't put bread in, etc. But... Anything that's baked, sorry, it's not spicy, but anything that's baked, which is a machlekes, whether yesh bishel achafir or im bishel achafir, then there's more room to be made. So if you really want to put your croutons in without any shayla, make sure it's a kedish lishi. If you filled your plate with a, a ladle, then there is room to be made when it comes to croutons and your bread, because since bread is already baked and there's a machlekes where the yesh bishlacha afir, and there's a machlekes whether a ladle is considered a kedisheni or not, there's room to allow you to put your bread and croutons into your plate as 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 we can consider it a kedish lishi. But if your ladle was left in the kedishishim for a long period of time, a few minutes, then that's considered a kedishishim, and then we wouldn't allow you to put your croutons into your plate. But since there are many people who are strict, there are many opinions who are strict, there are some people who won't rely on this color. They, they're worried that a ladle is considered a Kaili Rishon, and therefore they will, they will not put their croutons or bread into a plate unless it's actually gone through a definite Kaili Shani. Now, what's interesting about the ladle today is that today we use plastic Today we use silicon ladles. We don't often use metal. A metal ladle is what we've been discussing until now. We've been discussing a metal ladle. A metal ladle will get hot, and as you take it in and out and in and out of the of the soup pot, it'll heat up and could perhaps reach the heat of the of the kedirishon. And therefore, people are machmi. And therefore, we try to be machmi on definitely on something which has not been cooked, and even for something which has been baked, there's room to be machmi. If somebody wants to be makel, there's room to be makel. However, if you use the silicon or plastic ladle, the silicon plastic does not get, does not retain heat. So if you put it in and you take it out, you put it in and you take it out, that's not going to be a problem because once it's out for a few seconds, it's going to cool down. It doesn't reach the heat that the metal ladle does. And therefore, since in and out and in and out, a ladle is already a machlekes, whether it will reach the heat of a kalirishan. And it's plastic or silicon, which is, practically speaking, probably doesn't reach the heat of a kedirishan, there's plenty of room to be makele there that your plate is considered a kedisheni. Maybe not to put in something which is completely not cooked, but to put in your bread and your croutons, that would be no problem at all. That would be fine. Where we do have an issue with a, a ladle, and this is something we, we need to be uh, um, a little bit aware of, is that when you take your ladle and you fill your your plate, if you're going to leave the ladle, put the ladle down, serve, and then come back and ladle again, the residue of soup, which is on your ladle, and there'll be quite a bit of residue of soup on there, has cooled down. Once it's cooled down, we are of the opinion, and therefore, when you put it back into the pot of soup, you're now putting in cold soup into a kalirishan, and that could constitute bishul. Therefore, you're much better off, you're much better off serving all the, pouring the soup out into all the plates at one time, 
that way the soup doesn't actually cool down on the ladle. It stays hot. And you're in and out and in and out. You're constantly serving without allowing the soup to cool down. Even if it cools down a little bit, that doesn't uh, doesn't constitute a problem of yesh bishlach bishlach. Only if it cools down completely. But then you end up with the problem of the ladle going in and out often. And that's why the shaili is that perhaps it's retains the heat of a kedush. We need to be a little bit more careful. But if it's if it's plastic or silicon, then there's a little bit more room to maneuver. I hope that's clear. If it's not clear, you let me know in a few minutes. I just want to run through one more halacha, and then we'll stop, and we'll come back next week, and we'll just in two weeks' time we'll run through a little bit more, finish off the halacha we're going to start now, and then we'll discuss how to make tea, teas and coffees on Shabbos without without transgressing any problems, and the modern day teas and modern day coffees that we have in our cupboard. But there's just one more halacha which I want to mention, and we'll come back in two weeks' time, and we'll expand on it a little bit more. And that's what we call a dava gush. A dovagush is a solid food. So a cholent, when we talk about cholent, I'm talking about a real yeshivish cholent, not a liquid cholent, but a cholent which is a solid mass. And the more solid the mass is, the greater it's appreciated by the yeshiva bochrim. A dovagush is called, is something which, in many opinions, doesn't cool down when you transfer it from one utensil to the next utensil. And the reason for that is, as we mentioned earlier, that a kelisheni is considered less potent heat because the walls of the kelisheni are cold and it cools down the food. But a dover gush, when you put cholent into a plate, it doesn't really touch the sides. It just stays in the middle, not like liquid which flows and 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 uh, moves to the side until it can't move anymore. And therefore, a lot of that liquid is touching the cold walls of the plate or the cold walls of your cup whatever the utensil you put your liquid in. And therefore, we consider Kedishenia a lesser degree heat and less potent and less able to cook. And so too in a Kedishlishi. When it comes to Dova Gush, that, according to some opinions, Mashal in Hilchas Yeridea, and it's applied here in Hilchas Bishul, that doesn't happen because your cholent lies in a mass in the center of your plate and doesn't have the walls of the of the plate or the cup to cool it down. And air we consider not cool enough to cool it down quick enough. And therefore, Dovagush, even in a Kedishani, may actually have the ability to cook everything. So therefore, the context of a Dovagush is going to create problems for us. Eating it together with salads, putting spices on it, putting ketchup on it, etc., etc., which we will discuss, Bez Hashem, in two weeks' time. But for today, we've, I think we've had enough information for one evening. We've discussed the halachas of irukadirishen, whether it takes a context of a kadirishen or the context of a kadirishenie. And we have a peshara, we paskan that it cooks a kadei clipper. We've discussed a kadirishenie, that kadirishenie can cook kaleha bishul, but we don't really know today what's called kaleha bishul other than water and oil and tavlinin. And even our Tavlinin, we said maybe Kali Abishal because we've grind them so fine that they may actually take the context of Kali Abishal. And therefore, Kedi Shani, we consider able to cook most foods and we're careful not to put foods in. And a Kedi Shani, we said, cannot cook other than those foods that are really, 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 really easy to cook, such as such as the Dag Meliach, and the Orchashokan tells us tea, tea leaves, and Shlam Zama says an egg, etc., can be cooked in a Kedish Lishi. And we've discussed the context of a ladle, 
is a ladle called a keli sheni, and therefore my plate called my plate of soup called a keli shlishi, or is the ladle called a keli rishon, and my plate called a keli sheni? And the differences are: what can I put into my soup? What can I, can I not put into my soup? Can I put my croutons in? Can I dip my challah in? Can I put my matzah in? Etc. And I hope that's very that's been clear for you. We just mentioned davagush, the context of a solid. The, the, the context of a solid food, whether that takes on the status of a Kedi Shani or it retains the heat of a Kedi Rishon. And we'll come back in two weeks' time, Be'ez Hashem. We will discuss at length the, the parameters of a Dovagush, and then we will go in detail through how one makes a coffee and all the different other practical examples where the Kedi Rishon, Iru Kedi Rishon, Kedi Shani, Iru Kedi Shani, Kedi Shlishi, and beyond are relevant to us in our kitchen and our Shabbos meals. I hope that's been clear enough. I wish you all a very good night and everything should be well.